0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different hobbies and we try to bring each other into our interest by discussing the latest news in both books and sports.
1: Today is a sports episode and we have soccer news this week, which is going to be fun later on.
0: If you like soccer, that is. Yeah,
1: most of the world does.
0: Does most of the world.
1: Yeah, they won't understand us though as we talk about it probably though. English language isn't, like, the most dominant in the world.
0: We're going to start out, as we usually do, with the NHL, since it's the most tolerable sport.
1: And it's starting soonish. Like, we're getting there. Closer. I mean,
0: I definitely feel like I'm just waiting for autumn to hit. So, as soon as it starts to cool off outside, I feel like I will actually feel like hockey is coming. Right now, it still is so hot outside that it feels so far away.
1: Yeah, we have a little reprieve here in Dallas for like the last two days because of rain, but uh, it's going to be hotter than heck tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. So they teased us with early fall.
0: Yes. But first up is player health, and I only have one here for the NHL. Austin Matthews is expected to miss the start of training camp for the Toronto Maple Leafs. After having wrist surgery this past Friday, he's expected to be out a minimum of six weeks. So... It's not like he won't be back for the start of the season, but it's going to get really close in there.
1: Yeah, the reality is if we're looking at the longer period estimation, there's a chance he'll miss like a week of the season. Right. But, you know, with injuries and surgeries and things, you never know really the exact time they're going to recover from something like that. You hope for the lower end, but...
0: I mean, it just really depends on how his recovery goes.
1: Yeah. But staying on kind of a health topic because of COVID, there's some things that have changed in the NHL this season. The big one for team staff predominantly, any team staff that come within 12 feet of any operational staff or players is required to be vaccinated before the new season starts.
0: Yes. So that's important. Yeah. I feel like it should be everyone in the organization should be vaccinated, but also I feel like everyone in the world should be vaccinated. So, you know.
1: I would wish for that, but I know that my hopes and dreams are going to be smashed by people that don't want to be vaccinated, so I don't get my hopes up for that.
0: And you have some of that in the NFL happening and in other sports, so, like, honestly, I doubt everyone's going to get vaccinated in any sport.
1: Yeah. As well, too, this week, the Jets announced that they will allow full stadium attendance with a requirement of proof of vaccination for COVID-19.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah,
1: so you can't come in with a test, but you have to be vaccinated, so... I think that's a a good theory to stand on, and we'll discuss uh, different perspectives on that experience later in the episode as well. And I guess technically there's a third thing related to health, but more to someone passing away, sadly, which was Tony Esposito. Hits a little close to home. I never got to watch him play because he's way older than I am, and I wasn't really following hockey at quite that time in my life. So... He was battling pancreatic cancer for literally, like, the last two years. So it's just something that your body can only fight so much of. And he finally lost the battle there. Um, He was 78 years old. He actively is the franchise leader in shutouts with 74 and career wins at 418 as a goalie for the Blackhawks. I don't think anybody's ever going to come close, especially in the era now where goalies are like, you're on a team for maybe five years and then you find a new home. Right, right. So it's just... You don't really
0: have franchise goalies anymore.
1: Yeah, they're few and far between.
0: I would like to have had one.
1: Yeah, well, you know, expansion draft happened. Mm-hmm. But at least he's at home with a team that we both kind of support.
0: Do I support the Blackhawks? I don't
1: know. You root for them from time to time. Usually sure. when they're playing the Flyers, for sure, though. Definitely. Um, but he also won the Vesna Trophy three times in 1970, 72, and 74 season. So definitely established himself as... Hall of Famer, which he is. It's sad to see him go, especially at 78. I feel like that's kind of young based on current medical like capabilities. But with cancer, it doesn't really no choose by age. It just goes after whatever it wants. So,
0: And then because we are in the off season at the moment, we also have a whole lot of signings as per usual.
1: Quite a few, to say the least.
0: <laughs> so we're going to try to run through those real quick. I'm going to start with the Anaheim Ducks, mostly because... I wasn't able to find the financial terms for any of these. I don't know if it's related to the team not wanting to release those or just those haven't come out. The first one being Max Comtois, who is a restricted free agent forward. He signed a two-year deal with the Ducks, followed shortly thereafter by Max Jones, who is also a restricted free agent forward before the signing. He signed a three-year contract with the Ducks. Also, Josh Mahura was a restricted free agent defenseman before signing a two-year contract with the Anaheim Ducks. And then the interesting one for the Ducks, in my opinion, is they signed Mason McTavish to a three-year entry-level contract on Friday. He is the 18-year-old number three pick in the 2021 NHL draft. So I guess they're ready to try him out, see if he can do anything.
1: Well, usually when you're like in the top five, it's pretty much certain you're going to be playing right away unless you're still trying to finish college or whatever that situation might be. So yeah, that's like the only time you ever see somebody go, whoa, 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 whoa. See you in about four years.
0: And then for the Washington Caps, we have goalie Ilya Samsonov, who signed a one year $2 million contract with the team.
1: Seemed like it was like a signing of goalies this week because you also had Carter Hart get signed by the Flyers to a three-year contract extension with an AAV of $3.979 million.
0: Yeah, so he's getting $11.94 million total for the contract over the course of three years. He's their goalie. He's like who they always try to put in the net when they can. So I'm not surprised this happened this week.
1: Yeah, he had an off year, and this contract is just a hair higher than what he had previously, so it's not like they're overloading the contract for a starting goalie, which is pretty common in the NHL, so...
0: Well, and it's not like they're saying that they don't trust him anymore. Like, this contract shows that they still have their faith in him, so... Yeah. We'll see if he has a better year next year. I hope not. Well... Just saying. For his
1: sake, I hope he does, you know, just because... Last thing I want to see him do is get, like, flung around. You are
0: married to a Penguins fan. What are you saying right now?
1: I actually like Carter Hart as a goalie. I don't like the Flyers. I think as a person, he's a good person, and that's why I support him. It's kind of like when Flurry was getting just sent around all over the place and there were trade rumors and things like that. I'm like, I'm going to support Flurry wherever he goes. Just well, you should. He's an angel. Yeah. He's, he's actually a Blackhawk, not an angel currently, but oh, that was a great sports reference, and you're just staring at me like, it's not even funny. You want to know why? Because it was hilarious. Because
0: it wasn't even funny. And staying up in the Northeast, we've got Jan Kukonanen.
1: Kukonana? <laughs> I don't know who that is because I don't have that on my notes.
0: <laughs> he signed a two-year $3.65 million contract with the New Jersey Devils. This contract has an AAV of $1.825 million.
1: Staying roughly in that area as well, the New York Rangers did a signing of eager... Oh, gosh. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, the New York Rangers signed Igor Shesterkin to a four-year contract with an AAV of $5.65 million. So
0: I, Okay, I didn't get the numbers on that.
1: It's a pretty healthy contract. But again, same situation. He's the starting goalie for that organization, so it just makes sense to throw a little bit of money in a longer contract at him.
0: Yeah. And then in Florida, we've got the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have signed Ross Colton to a two-year $2.25 million contract. This has an AAV of
1: $1.125 Staying in Florida, we do have two other signings, but yeah, the Panthers. The Florida Panthers signed Sam Reinhart for three years for $19.5 million total. The AAV is $6.5 a year. Oh, okay. Uh, he was traded to them as an RFA, so they had the signing rights. So yeah. It just kind of made sense that that was going to get taken care of. But the
0: one that's making a bigger splash in Florida <laughs> is Joe Thornton, who signed a one-year contract with the Florida Panthers on Friday.
1: For $750,000. I His argument last year was to go to Toronto to win a championship, but then you went to Florida? Like, uh, don't well, get me wrong. Who, neither
0: one of those moves is going to get you a Stanley Cup, <laughs> in my opinion, but that's just me.
1: Only because the Maple Leafs have a track record of never getting out of the first round lately, but... That's not here nor there. Like, don't get me wrong. Joe Quinville is an amazing coach, and I honestly think the Panthers improved this offseason with some of the moves that they made, but I don't think they're a Stanley Cup contending team by any means. Like, they played well last year in the weird bubble, like, league thing, the little league changes and whatever, but at the same time, it's just like, that's not the way it's going to be this year. It's not going to be quite as easy. The East is always a tough conference, so it's like, I don't know. It doesn't look like it's going to be that great, but we'll see.
0: And then for the Detroit Red Wings, we've got Jacob Vrana. Yeah. Who signed a three-year contract with them. I didn't find any financial terms for this one. I don't know if you did.
1: I got you. The AAV of uh, $5.25 million. So pretty nice amount of monies.
0: Just under 16.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And then rounding all of this out with the Winnipeg Jets, I've got two from them. The first being Neil Pionk, who signed a four-year million contract on Wednesday. This has an AAV of $5.875 million. And the last one, Andrew Kopp has signed a one-year $3.64 million contract with the Jets on Thursday.
1: And then you missed your favorite ex-Blackhawks defenseman that signed with the Edmonton Oilers this week, Slater Cuckoo. He signed a two-year contract with an AAV of $925,000.
0: I feel like that's low for him, or is that just me having watched him because of you, that I think that.
1: I think because he had a weird season last year, it's kind of what he's due. But at the same time, it's like you can't judge based off of just one season. Like if you go back to the way he was playing in Chicago, he was a very important key piece for us on the defensive front. So it's just like, uh, I kind of agree with you. But at the same time, it's like if you can get him for that much, why not? Like that's that's not right. a big risk to get a solid defenseman.
0: And in news that will break everyone's heart, no matter who you're rooting for, Mike Ling has retired as play-by-play radio announcer of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was a Penguins broadcaster for 46 years. And was given the Foster Hewitt Award for broadcasting from the Hockey Hall of Fame in two thousand one. The seventy-three year old will remain with the Penguins radio network, but not as a play-by-play announcer.
1: I'm just hoping that he's writing things for people to say and he just like hands it in there, like just slides into the slip and you're this like fits. the langisms are still here. Yes.
0: You know, and there are so many good ones. I'm a little sad that those are gonna disappear. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. If you don't know what the langisms are, please just Google them. They're worth your time. You'll watch a silly YouTube video of just great radio broadcasting calls. It's just it's good experience for your soul.
0: Well, I think one of my favorites is he says smiling like a butcher's dog. Yeah. Whenever something really good happens.
1: Absolutely. Why wouldn't you like that? Because you know that dog is the happiest dog in the whole world because like any bit of scrap is getting tossed down to him. So.
0: And like, let's go hunt a moose on a Harley.
1: That, that one, not so much.
0: I love that one. Yeah, It's vivid imagery. I love everything he says because it paints such a picture, which you really need to do if you're going to be in broadcasting. So I really, I don't know. It He is so good at what he does.
1: I think my favorite one is the grandma and bingo game reference. I don't know the whole thing and that's sad, but it was one of my favorites.
0: Get in the fast lane. Grandma, the bingo game is ready to roll.
1: Yeah, that's the one.
0: (laughs) That is a good one. I like that one. (laughs) He has so many good ones. And now that he is retiring from that portion, I am sure there are plenty of articles and things you can look up to find even more of the great sayings. And last week, I believe we announced who the American men's ice hockey team coach is going to be. Now we've got Canada's coach. John Cooper has been named coach of the Canada men's ice hockey team for the 2022 Beijing Olympics. He is entering his 10th season as Tampa Bay Lightning coach. And coaches from multiple teams have been named as assistants. You have Boston Bruins coach Bruce Cassidy, Vegas Golden Knights coach Peter DeBoer. Debo- DeBoer. DeBoer. Yeah. And New York Islanders coach Barry Trotz are all going to be assistant coaches.
1: God, that's a stacked lineup of coaches, though. Like, you oof.
0: just should always expect Canada to win this one. Like,
1: Yes and no. Like, the European teams have been really growing in quality, especially in young talent. So, like, when it comes to the World Junior uh, Championships, it hasn't been Canada for, like, three or four straight years now. So, there's always a chance that somebody else wins it, I guess. It all comes down to, though, whether the NHL is actually going to allow players to travel to the Olympics in a country that's COVID-prone still. And so, I just... I kind of agree with the NHL. Like, hey, we don't want them to go over there and then bring back a COVID nightmare for the NHL league. So. We already
0: have a COVID nightmare here. We don't need a second COVID nightmare. Right. At the same time.
1: And then them all to be traveling on a plane together from different areas of the United States and Canada. And it's just, it's it's messy. I don't know. We'll We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, that's not until February. So we have some time to figure that all out. Yeah.
0: And then the last bit of NHL news that I have, it's Anders Nilsson has retired from hockey after seven NHL seasons. The 31-year-old goalie hasn't played since 2019 for the Ottawa Senators because of post-concussion syndrome. So another one of those, like, your body's checking you out before you are. It's always sad when that happens, so... I don't know if he's planning on playing somewhere else, just not in the NHL, or if he's just done-done.
1: Yeah. If it gets better, I've seen players come back from it, so it's just, like, a weird situation.
0: I mean, he hasn't played in almost two seasons. Right. So.
1: Like, we'll talk about it a little later, but there was a pitcher that came back for the Red Sox. He hasn't played in two years in any competitive fashion due to his injuries and had a great outing, so, but. It just kind of comes down to whether you can truly recover from it, I guess. But, like, concussion stuff can be with you forever.
0: Yeah. So. In the NFL, we also have some COVID news that I appreciate. And I hope all the teams do this. But I doubt it. So fans will be required to show proof of vaccination or negative COVID-19 tests in order to attend New Orleans Saints games.
1: So basically what you're saying is when the Saints fans have to go marching in.
0: They better be vaccinated.
1: Or at least have a COVID test that shows negative within the previous 72 hours. Yes. Yeah.
0: The ruling also applies to patrons at restaurants, bars, and other venues. And this went into effect on August 16th with enforcement actually starting the week of August 23rd. So you have a week to like figure out how you're implementing this. But this has to happen.
1: Yeah, and it's all due in response to the fact that COVID numbers are skyrocketing in Louisiana currently. You and I watched a documentary about a hospital in Louisiana where people were just like, nah, I'm good. I yeah. don't want to be vaccinated. And even as they're like on life support, like, no, I wouldn't get vaccinated. It's like, are you stupid? Like,
0: you wouldn't have needed to be on life support if you had gotten vaccinated, right? even though there is a Delta variant surge happening in Louisiana it can still help deal with how badly you get sick.
1: Right. And so I understand why they're doing it. I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. So.
0: I just wish all of the teams were doing it. I mean, this one seems to be more like state mandated Correct. than by the team, but I just think it would be better for everyone yeah. if they did this.
1: I I think if his situation continues to get worse, it probably will be mandated in the NFL, but as it sits actively, it's not, so...
0: I'm just wondering how bad it has to get before there's a chance that they cancel the rest of the season or implement a rule like this, because, like, we're, what, a year and a half almost to the whole COVID thing? Like, it's getting old, and I want it to be done, but it's only going to be done if people do these things. Right. And I feel like with the Delta variant and no one wearing masks and very few people who have been holdouts getting vaccinated finally we're going to get to the point where someone's going to cancel the rest of the season or games are going to get canceled or something's going to happen.
1: I think the reality is what will more than likely happen won't be the season being canceled, but we will probably see less fan interactions or like in the NHL where they had them all sitting back when they even had fans in the games last year, or this last season, they pushed them back like five or six rows away from where the players are all and right. stuff like that. So I think that's more commonly what we'll probably see. We'll probably see lighter attendance capabilities in stadiums just like we did last year and last seasons for sports we'll see what happens obviously we're not going to be the test pot here in texas because we're got a crazy governor and right it's just like just pile them in it'll be okay everybody can sit shoulder to shoulder it'll be all right uh the dallas sports teams will appreciate the revenue but uh when their fans start getting sick maybe not so much
0: well it's hard to get repeat business when your fans keep dying on you that's all i'm saying yeah But as far as player health goes, I've got a couple things. New England's Patriot tight end Hunter Henry has undergone an MRI on his shoulder after leaving practice early on Sunday this past week. He's expected to miss weeks during camp due to the injury, despite people saying he's day-to-day. But apparently he still remains on course to start for week one, or play in week one.
1: So that was a huge signing for the Patriots this year just because Hunter Henry was one of the best tight ends out in the AFC on the west coast with the Chargers last season. He was part of the reason the Chargers even had a successful offense other than their rookie quarterback last year. So hopefully he's back by week one for the Patriots because he's kind of a key part of their offense.
0: Well apparently he has trouble playing all the games for a season.
1: He was hurt last season for about four games so yeah.
0: And apparently, there are multiple seasons that he hasn't played all 16 or 17 games. And so.
1: He's just another captain bubble wrap.
0: Exactly. Uh, So we'll see what ends up happening with him. I don't like that his team's like, he's day to day, but like the MRA came back and he's like weeks out. Right. And then the Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman, Laurent Duvernay Tardif is going to be out four to six weeks after breaking a bone in his hand during practice. They're saying surgery isn't necessary, and he could return in time to play for week one, but, I mean, a broken bone is a broken bone. I don't know if he's going to come back that fast.
1: So, I have seen over the years, many a times, NFL players playing with casts on their arms. That's dumb. So Don't do that. um, That's not necessary. Yeah, but it's a thing that happens. It's pretty common. So, I wouldn't be too shocked to see him come back maybe right. early because of that. So, especially if you're on the line, like realistically, you're just putting your arms up and doing this. But I don't know. With a cast on, I guess there's probably not as much weight pressure on it. I
0: don't. You can't handle as much weight on that hand. I, I don't think it's a good idea to play with a cast on your hand, but what do I know?
1: Yeah. Uh, also, this week, Jets. Rookie first-round draft pick wide receiver Elijah Moore left practice early after he suffered a quad injury. Don't really have a timetable as to when he's going to heal from that, but they're expecting him hopefully around like the second week is what they're saying, so it must not be an awful, awful injury since we have these shorter preseasons now. As well, to the Dallas Cowboys lost defensive tackle Neville Gallimore. He's going to be out four to six weeks with a dislocated elbow, so... Uh, They did the MRI on it, saw that it wasn't like surgery really requiring, so it's just going to be the normal wait time to letting that kind of heal up.
0: And then I only have two signings for this past week for the NFL. The Colts and linebacker Darius Leonard agreed to terms on a five-year $99.25 million extension. It includes $52.5 million in guaranteed money and is scheduled to pay him $20 million per year over the first three years of the contract.
1: Sounds like a pretty sweet deal considering like NHL contract size.
0: Well, on top of that, more than half is guaranteed money and most of his contracts getting paid out in three years and it's a five-year contract. So like, I don't know how he got them to agree to that, but. Maybe he's just really good.
1: I was going to say a good agent and probably his ability to play the game.
0: Yeah. And then the next one I have, I guess I didn't think was that interesting because I only have one line about this. Okay. The 49ers have signed veteran safety Ha Ha Clinton Dix.
1: He's been around the league a lot. He was with the Bears just two seasons ago. Prior to that, Washington. So, I forget where he went after the Bears. It might have been here in Dallas, actually. But that poor guy, like, every year or two, he's in a different team. So, the good safety is just, I don't know. There's got to be something. There's got to be a reason teams are just, like, move away from him every two years. Like, I don't know if he's unhealthy in the locker room or... I feel like that would come out. Yeah, After as many moves as he's made, you would think. Right. Or maybe he just doesn't show up well. I don't know. Like, he seems to play well in the games, but he's not, like, a lights-out safety, so maybe that's what it is. He's had a weird career. And then I actually had a trade from the NFL this week. Uh The Jaguars traded away linebacker Joe Schobert to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Jaguars received a sixth-round pick for next year's draft.
0: I don't like players for picks. Like, I just... It's an option for something like it could be terrible, whatever you get for that pick.
1: Well, it's a six rounder too. So it's not like it's really a big piece necessarily a lot of times.
0: I would rather trade a player for my lunch because like at least then I know for sure I'm going to get something.
1: That's almost as bad as the comparison about last week's trade for a dollar. That's true. So I don't know. I I feel like a pick is worth more than a dollar.
0: And probably more than my lunch, depending on how good they are. Right. But in other news, I think this is going to interest you. I personally don't care. Okay. But NFL officials will be strictly enforcing taunting violations in 2021. Taunting penalties will have bigger repercussions in the NFL going forward. Two taunting violations will result in an automatic ejection with fines and suspensions also in play. So you could also get these things.
1: I'll be honest, when my players are on the receiving end of the taunting, I want flags being thrown all over the place. But as a football sports fanatic, it's part of the game. Like, these guys just get fired up. And and if they're just, you know, like, if you lay out a guy on a big hit, you want to stand over him and be like, Ooh, I just rocked you. But, like, uh, like I... I'm on the I fence think about they're it.
0: only gonna go after the more egregious ones. I don't think they're gonna go after like the smaller, like I got you and then walking away. I think when it turns into something is when it's gonna really get those flags. Like flagged. when
1: they're like standing over him, the guy tries to get up and he pushes them back down or something along right, those lines. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I just.
0: Comparing it to college football real quick, because I know more about college football than I do the NFL. Being told as an OU fan that at games they can no longer do the...
1: Horns down as fans.
0: I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's part of the culture of OU Texas, like... Every fan does it.
1: And how do you enforce it? Do you, like, walk, like, whoa, 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 guys, one second, one second on the field. That guy up there in row 36. It's more
0: like all the fans right now at the same time are doing it, and you can't enforce it. Right, But... Something like that I don't think would ever come to anything, and I don't think anything like what you're talking about is going to come to anything in the NFL.
1: I'm concerned because a lot of the times in major sports, like professional sports, these have like really big gray areas, and it really comes down to the individual referee in the game, and that's just...
0: Well, all calls come down to the individual referee. Like, when we were talking a few months ago about the NHL ref who could be heard saying that they were just making a call to make up for an earlier a call. counter call yeah and like
1: that's
0: not that that was completely on that guy who made that decision like there is a culture of that being a thing in the nhl but if you had a different ref that night at that game they might not have made a counter call yeah so like refing as a whole is up to the individual ref
1: Yeah, but there are certain rules that definitely allow bigger gray areas than others, and I think that rule is going to be one of those where it's just like, it's a grab bag. It could be flags everywhere. It could be nothing. It's just, it's too big of a gray area the way they worded it.
0: I also think it's going to be dependent on how far into the season it is and whether or not. This is, like, a big rivalry where you've got a lot of eyes on you because this is the most-watched Bears game of the season or whatever. Yeah,
1: like, Green Bay and the Bears. Like, if they played each other, like, you have to let them... Let the physicality out of via, like, a joking, taunting situation rather than letting them kill each other because that's, that's what's going to happen if you don't let them express the little emotion of, like, woo, type moments. That's just the way football players are, like... If you went to a high school football game, you understand that those guys get fired up too much. And this is at a professional level where they are, A, much more jacked up, B, just ready to knock the helmet off of the person with the ball. So, I don't know. It's unnerving, I guess, the gray area for me.
0: And then we've got veteran running back Dion Lewis, who has retired after eight seasons with the NFL.
1: I really don't know enough about his career to... Speak on it, but I know he's had health issues, so I can't really be like, this is why he's retiring.
0: He was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in the fifth round of the 2011 NFL draft. He played with the New York Giants, the Tennessee Titans, the New England Patriots, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: It seems like basically it came down to the fact that teams were interested but nobody was making offers and he was just like screw it I'm done like
0: well he had a lot of injuries in the first half of his career and I don't know if those come into play at all with his retirement
1: but yeah it was related predominantly with an early broken leg during his career so
0: yeah if that doesn't heal right that's just gonna bother you for the rest of your life
1: especially as a running back you gotta feel like over time your legs just don't support the weight of the hits anymore with a broken leg and in the last bit of NFL news this week, the Seahawks announced that they're releasing defensive end Alden Smith because he violated the team's trust in connection to an off field matter. To go further into what the off field matter is, uh, he's actively being brought up on second degree battery charges.
0: I thought you were going to say murder charges. Yeah, no. This was about to be a much more interesting podcast.
1: <laughs> You're like, yours are perking up here. <laughs> But he was charged with it in April. He was put on administrative leave from the organization. No paycheck, nothing coming in, just... Good. Yeah. The battery charges came out two days after the Seahawks had signed him, though. So it's like, boy, I feel like something should have been maybe mentioned to the Seahawks organization. And I think that's where they're like, dude, he's really screwed up. But it did come out this week that he's pretty much dead to rights being charged with this. He's going to more than likely be locked up for the battery charges so the clout of being in the nfl did not protect him it does go to know that over the previous four seasons he's been suspended due to ongoing drunk driving charges so like he was a toxic player risk in the first place so like the seahawks shouldn't really be that shocked by it that was kind of the weird news in the nfl for the week
0: For the MLB, I know that you're going to have way more news than I am, so I'm just going to go ahead and get my news out there and let you take over. Fair. The Field of Dreams game between the Chicago White Sox and the New York Yankees was a major success for both the MLB and Fox Sports. 5.9 million people watched the game on Fox. Including us. Which makes it the most watched regular season game in the MLB since 2005 solid 16 years. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said that the league would play a game in that stadium again in
1: 2022.
0: So there's that.
1: They signed a five-year rental contract with the people that own the property actively. So
0: they're making bank.
1: I would imagine they're going to play more than just next year, but I guess that'll depend on whether or not it's worth it. Like if they get the same viewership next year, then it's a no brainer. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around about what teams are going to play next year. Some of the biggest ones would include the Boston Red Sox, which I think would be good because they have a strong fan base, so like there'd still be a large amount of viewers no matter what. However, I think it probably will drop in viewership just a little bit just because it was a first-of-ever situation, so like that's what really brought, I think, a lot of people to watching it.
0: And then there was some legal problems for an MLB prospect. Now, I don't understand how he's no longer with the MLB because he was a prospect who was with one of the minor league teams or, like, one of the lower level below minor leagues, but he was playing in, I believe it was New Jersey somewhere, and Brinken Mendez was busted for trying to sell two kilos of cocaine to an undercover cop. He was hit with drug possession charges on Friday after he and three other men brought the drugs to an undercover officer in the Bronx on Thursday night.
1: So this is becoming more and more common in the minor leagues. Um, You had the guy last year at spring training who got busted with like four duffel bags worth of drug-related paraphernalia and drugs. Four? Yes, yeah. Duffel bags? He was driving it from Arizona to Colorado to make money. The issue really is is
0: how you get access to four duffel bags worth of that crap.
1: No, the and big yes, the yeah, and yes, <laughs> the big issue with it is is minor league baseball players are paid very poorly. Unless you're a prospect in like the top ten category for a team, you're pretty much treated like crap. Like there was a report that was released recently where they legitimately couldn't afford hotel rooms. So, at the hotel when they arrived, they were basically sleeping in, like, kitchens, conference rooms, on cots, like, just in one room together with, like, eight players. Like, it's just, it's unhealthy. And there's stories of players living at the baseball diamond itself where they play. Like, there there needs to be change. And I think the crappy thing about it is, is these players are trying to find other methods to earning money. And a lot of the time it's not legal situations because it's an easy way to make a quick buck because you can't hold a steady job if you're traveling around three to four times a week. You're at a different stadium and in a different city. It's just not feasible to keep a normal job doing that. So unlike the NHL where players can still make a a living wage, Playing in the minor league system, like in the AHL, it's just not a reality in baseball and it's really crappy. So I, I feel for them and I don't like, obviously you're moving kilos of cocaine. So you probably had it coming, but at the same time, it's like, would they be in the situation if we were actually paying them a living wage?
0: Now that we've had that discussion about athletes, yeah, let us apply the same concept to poor people in America. Just saying,
1: Oh, I didn't know I was giving you the pedestal for that.
0: <laughs> well, that's just what it made me think of. I would apologize, but I'm not sorry. Yeah, I agree that they need to be treated better so that they don't necessarily feel they have no other choice but to do something like this. But at the same time.
1: Still made the choice. You do
0: the crime, you
1: do the time. Do the time. Yeah, like absolutely. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. there's no argument to that it's just it's it's a crummy situation to be in as a minor league baseball player that's part of the reason when kids in little league when they get to the point where they're coming out of high school they're going into college and they're like i'm gonna be a baseball player it's like please just don't put your eggs in that basket like right right finish your college education and then maybe think about that like
0: that's why i don't like when people are drafted when they're 18 19 years old like let them get a degree or decide what they want to do with their life before you're just trying to put them in your machine that you spit out 1, 2, 5, 10, 15 years later.
1: Yeah. The crazy thing is an MLB draft, you can literally be drafted by the age of 17 as long as you're 18 before the next season starts. Yeah. So it's like, it's rough. It's rough for, for young kids coming through the system for sure for the major league organizations. We did have a signing this week. We had the Giants signing shortstop Brandon Crawford to a two-year extension valued at $32 million, so not a bad little contract extension for him. And then we had two injuries this week. The Dodgers pitcher Julio Urias was placed on the 10-day IL with a left calf contusion. While he was pitching, a ball was hit back at him, and it hit him in the calf. You giggled like (laughs) that's a funny thing, and I'm like, that sucks.
0: Something very funny happened on my screen. I apologize. (laughs)
1: Okay. I was like, that's not great. (laughs) Um,
0: I feel like being hit in the calf is just like unexpected. Yeah. So like you get a shock and pain.
1: Yeah. And then the Mets placed Javi Baez on the 10-day IL for back spasms. I feel like that's a crappy thing to be put on the IL for.
0: I wonder if he was injured and then is having that problem or if he's just like becoming an old person.
1: It could be both. I don't know. I can't speak to his personal is he health. Old? Not really. Still pretty young. Also this week, Orioles first baseman Chris Davis announced he's retiring. Earlier this year, he had hip surgery, and his recovery time has been extremely slow, and he basically is pretty certain he's not going to ever make it back to the major leagues based on the way his pain is coming along with the surgery. Mm, so yeah,
0: that's not good.
1: So he's just decided he's going to retire. Um, the Orioles will still pay his full salary next season of seventeen point three million dollars because he has guaranteed money on his contract, and then it drops down to about two million a year for ten years is what he's included in his contract. So I guess good for him, but at not at the same time, like yeah, you're still in excruciating pain from a surgery like months after it's occurred. So that's rough. But in more recent news in the baseball world, as of literally last night, the Diamondbacks pitcher Tyler Gilbert threw a no-hitter in his first major league start. He is the fourth player in the history of the MLB to do that. So he's appeared four times in relief positions, but he's actually a starting pitcher. So it was his first official start, per se, in the major leagues. But realistically, that's for a fifth time being on the field, that's really not a bad go to still have a no-hitter. He ended up walking three batters, All being the same person. Okay. Um, So kudos to that guy on the Padres realizing that he was just going to get walked three straight times.
0: Was this person extremely short? No. Oh. The only advantage short people ever have.
1: A smaller strike zone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he did have five strikeouts, so it's not like a crazy no-hitter performance. But hey, a no-hitter is a no-hitter. And there's not that many people over the history of the game that can just be like, I did this thing. But uh, it is the eighth no-hitter, which ties the record since 1889 in a single season. So we're probably going to get our ninth, maybe. We'll see. Uh, the, the rate of them has definitely slowed down since they've stopped allowing uh, illegal substances to be used on the baseball.
0: Weird how that happens.
1: Right. And then my favorite and last piece of news from the MLB... The Cubs go winless on their first seven-game homestand. This is the first time that has happened in 78 years. Congratulations to the North Side, who just can't seem to get it together now that they've traded away all their players.
0: See, I don't do this about the Flyers. I don't just go look at this terrible thing that they've been experiencing while grinning the entire <laughs> time. Just say.
1: Does that make me a more true sports fan or no. less true sports fan? <laughs>
0: Makes you a jerk with a platform. Yes.
1: Put that on my resume next. (laughs) But moving on to your favorite, the NBA, right? (laughs)
0: No. (laughs) That
1: was such an awful sound. (laughs)
0: I'm sorry. I'm like, where are you going? (laughs) Absolutely not. But going into the NBA, we also have a lot of signings because it's that time of the year. But first, we've got a trade.
1: Well, that's interesting. I didn't have any of those. So I'm excited to hear.
0: This is a weird one, so I'm hoping you can untangle it for me because it's odd. The New Orleans Pelicans have sent Lonzo Ball to Chicago and will acquire Devontae Graham from Charlotte as part of separate sign-and-trade agreements. So it seems to be like a three-team sign-and-trade agreement.
1: There's not an easy way to break this one down, but... Yeah, it's a thing. So sign-in trades are pretty popular in the NBA. Basically, a player's up for a new contract. And in order to get the trade to happen, they offer a deal that the player accepts from the team you're trading for the player from. So, like, in this instance, Lonzo Ball for the uh, Pelicans was up for a contract extension. The Bulls were like, hey, we'll pay you this much money So you have to get the player to agree, the organization to agree, and then make the trade happen. Right. It's messy.
0: But the ball trade will also send the Bulls guards Thomas Santoransky and Garrett Temple to the Pelicans. Yeah. So the whole trade also trades other players. And New Orleans will send a draft lottery protected 2022 first round choice to Charlotte.
1: Yeah.
0: So... It's this whole thing where it's like signing a player to trade them, but also other players are getting traded, but also picks and money. Right. So for me, it's just like... A lot. People and things and money are going places.
1: Correct. That's a pretty good grasp on it.
0: It's the barest understanding of the concept.
1: Yeah, so when we talked about the Lonzo Ball sign and trade last week, none of the details were out. It was just that it was going to happen. Yeah. So all the details came out this week due to the fact that the NBA was investigating the deal. Uh, it turned out to be completely fine and acceptable by the policies. Why
0: did they have to investigate it? Was it just, it seemed hinky? So they're like, we're going to check this out or?
1: It was more related to the fact that they were saying basically that the Bulls were colluding actively with the player during a period of time, which you cannot do that. So they were talking to Lonzo Ball already and his agent in a period of time where it is against the rules to do so. It ended up coming back that it didn't exist. So it was okay after all. But that's why you got all the details of everything. Otherwise, it was Mm. staying pretty hush-hush.
0: And then I have all the signings.
1: There were some big ones this week. A couple max contracts given out.
0: I'm probably not going to discuss those. I'm probably going to discuss ones that don't even matter because I know nothing about the NBA.
1: You are pretty good at picking out people that nobody's ever heard of and got contracts for.
0: You're welcome, Mr. Nobody, who no one ever knows about. The Charlotte Hornets have signed coach James Borrego to a multi-year contract extension, but the terms of the deal weren't disclosed at the time of the article. Free agent guard Alfred Payton has agreed to a one-year deal with the Phoenix Suns.
1: So far, you're off to a great start. You're welcome. (laughs) The coach is an important one, obviously, but...
0: Free agent forward Andre Iguodala has signed a one-year contract for the veteran minimum it says minimum, but this is a very large amount of money. $2.642 million with the Golden State Warriors. He played for them back in 2013 to 2019, so he's coming back to the team. The Chicago Bulls have signed free agent guard Alex Caruso, and the terms of the deal were not disclosed at the time the article was written.
1: It ended up being a four-year, $37 million contract. That's not bad. No, it's pretty good. Average salary of nine point two five. Pretty healthy monies.
0: And the Denver Nuggets have re-signed free agent guard Will Barton III to a multi-year deal, which I didn't find the terms for.
1: I don't have those either, so I don't even know who Will Barton is.
0: Well, it's Will Barton III, oh, so get it right.
1: My mistake.
0: And this one you're going to correct me on because I've heard you say it and I know I probably can't say it that way.
1: I'm just excited to see who it is.
0: Kawhi Leonard?
1: You nailed it. Did I? The ex-San Diego State basketball player, yes.
0: It is not spelt the way that you say it in my mind.
1: 100% the right way to say it, the way it's spelled.
0: Has signed a four-year, $176 million contract to remain in L.A. with the Clippers. He suffered a partially torn right ACL during the playoffs and had surgery about a month ago. There's currently no timeline for his return and it's possible he could miss a portion of the upcoming season while rehabbing. So for me, you've got to be really good in a contract year to have this happen and still get that big of a contract.
1: He's that good. I
0: figured because he got that contract despite
1: all the things. He's one of the top five players in the NBA actively. So, like, it's the only reason you throw money at a guy like that.
0: At least I didn't miss that contract.
1: No, that's a pretty important one. I I think you nailed two people that really are known, and that was probably Caruso and Kawhi Leonard. So, uh, there was another Max contract given out just down the road here in Dallas to a gentleman. (laughs) I didn't miss that. To a gentleman. I've got
0: that in my notes. Do you? No. Okay.
1: (laughs) Just down the road here, uh, uh, somebody that you might have heard the name of before by the name of Luka Doncic.
0: That might be why I didn't write it down. I knew I couldn't pronounce it.
1: (laughs) He was given a five-year contract extension with the Mavericks worth $207 million. So get that max monies. Also, the Boston Celtics signed Dennis Schroeder to a one-year contract valued at $5.9 million. Uh, Most recently, he was with the Lakers uh, for the last two years during the championship run that they had in the weird bubble NBA tournament championship thing, um, and then last season as well. Miami Heat re-signed Udonis Haslam for his 19th career season to a one-year contract valued at $2.6 million. I figured it was worth mentioning just because it was his 19th career season. Like, that's a long time in the NBA, so it's like kudos to you, man, for holding it down for that long. And then the Raptors signed Delano Banton to a two-year contract with an AAV of $2.5 million, so... I had some not-so-big names in there, too, for you this time, just because I I didn't want you to feel alone. There was one more piece of really funny NBA news to come out of, believe it or not, a college-related signing. Okay. Two-time NBA champion J.R. Smith has enrolled in college at the North Carolina A&T State University. He will be attending to get a degree in liberal studies, and he's actively fighting for a spot to be on the collegiate golf team for the university. I guess as an NBA player, you have a lot of time to play golf, so he's pretty good, actually. Um, he played in the Pro-Ams last year and qualified. So, you know, why not give him an opportunity to uh, play at a college level? That's they're, weird. They're still waiting on the NCAA to speak on the situation. Just because of his age, there might be qualification issues with collegiate athlete sports. Oh, okay. So they're just trying to figure out, like, well, he was an ex-professional athlete. Does that disqualify him from competing in a sport that he wasn't a professional athlete at. It's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening. I thought it was funny and weird and kind of silly as a whole.
0: Which we always like in our sports news.
1: Well, yeah, just imagine somebody that's like 6'5 playing golf.
0: Do you have to get bigger clubs?
1: Yes. Really? Yeah. Ba- you Firstly, you buy clubs based on your height and your arm reach. So, yes.
0: I thought there was like a standard size. I know nothing
1: about sports. <laughs> Particularly golf. But, in fairness, I don't expect money to know much about golf.
0: I do know that most of the water waste in the U.S. is because of golf courts. Not courts.
1: (laughs) I was going to say they play on courts now. (laughs) Don't worry about the water there. It's just uh, on the court.
0: Golf courses. Yeah.
1: Maybe I need to get you some more caffeine to get you awake.
0: Please. Caffeinate me. But, in the world of soccer, starting with the MLS, I only have one bit of news Former Mexico international Gonzalo Pineda has been appointed as the new Atlanta United head coach. The 38-year-old agreed personal terms with the MLS club and has signed a contract with Atlanta until the 2024 season. He will join the team in Atlanta next week, while the assistant coach, Rob Valentino, will be in charge until that happens.
1: That's exciting stuff.
0: He'll probably be a good coach, I'm assuming.
1: No, he definitely will, and Atlanta United really needed somebody new at the helm. When they first came into the MLS, they were like a rocket. They were phenomenal. They were untouchable, and then all of a sudden it's just been like, what happened to you?
0: Right. Well, I think they have a losing record at this point.
1: I believe that would probably be a standing accurate statement. Where do you want to start in real soccer? In England or in Germany?
0: Let's start in Germany.
1: Okay. So that was uh, the shorter end of my notes so far. We're in match week one. Uh, there are still games actively going on as we're recording right now. The current game is going on between Hertha and Kohn. Uh, right now Hertha Berlin is leading 1-0 over Kohn. But the big ones, we'll just talk about Dortmund and Bayern Munich and then go over the top five really quickly. Dortmund defeated Frankfurt in their first match 5-2. The goals were scored by Michael Royce in the 23rd, Thorgen Hazard in 32nd, Holland in the 34th and the 70th, and Gio Reyna in the 58th. So Holland was involved in literally every, every single goal, goal yesterday. Mm-hmm. He had three assists and two goals. It's just like, as I said yesterday, I'm sad to know that he's leaving at the end of the season And I
0: said, why are you bringing this
1: up? Unless Dortmund just throws money at him, like there's no reason for him to stay. And that's sad because he's so much fun to watch.
0: Maybe he loves being on our team and getting a chance to be like the bright shining star on our team. And he loves us and he would miss us.
1: He's not like Marco Royce, who came up through your program for youth. So I really don't think it's quite that loyal. But who knows? We'll see at the end of the season.
0: Um, It's now sad wife hours in this house. Yeah.
1: Maybe I'll cheer you up a little bit. Bayern Munich drew out in their first game against Borussia Mönchengladbach 1-1. Mönchengladbach over the last three years has been the most troublesome team for Bayern. Uh, So no one is surprised. They actually have a losing record against the team. Um, So it's not a shocker. It just seems like they have Bayern's number every time we play them. It's never a blowout, but it's... Still, like, just never a good experience for Bayern fans. I'll be honest, when I saw the announcement for the first week's games, I was like, well, this is going to suck. <laughs> so I was prepared for it, I guess. But actively as it sits right now, because Hertha's in the lead 1-0, you have Stuttgart in 1st place, Hoffenheim in 2nd place, Dortmund in 3rd place, Hertha Berlin actively sitting in 4th, and FC Mons in 5th place. Uh, Bayern Munich actively sits in 8th place. But it's the first match week. Uh, There are a lot of teams to play still to bring that and change that around. So I think the craziest one for me, though, was Red Bull Leipzig losing today already. They lost 2-0, which is kind of weird for them. They don't lose very often, so kind of strange start to their season.
0: Who'd they lose to?
1: To Mons. Okay. But that pretty much wraps up my German League news. We do have international soccer news, but we'll... Stop over in England first for that. The Premier League also started this week, match week one. It started with a match that uh, was kind of a history maker. Uh, Arsenal lost to Brentford 2-0. Brentford came up this year from the English Championship to the Premier League. Brentford's win was their first top league game win in 74 years. What was so crazy about it was it was Brentford's first home game in 74 years in the first Premier League level, and they won it in front of their fans. So it's like, whew.
0: As a fan of that team, you've got to be loving life right now. You've got to
1: be going absolutely bonkers. So here's the statistic that makes it even more interesting. Brentford's annual team salary this season is expected to be around $23 million. Would you take a stab at what Arsenal's annual salary this season is?
0: 48
1: That's adorable.
0: Plus... 60
1: yeah you're you're closer with that guess arsenal's active team salary is 124 million dollars man so you lost to a team that spent a hundred million less dollars this year on their contracts that's a rough start for arsenal but an amazing start for brentford i'm really excited to see them and what they do i guess there's a town in south dakota That is called Brentford and the fans there are like the people there supported Brentford. So like Brentford's social media team reached out to the city and then like sent jerseys to everybody. So there's like pictures of this small little South Dakota town all wearing Brentford jerseys. And I'm like, that's just a great social media, (laughs) like great, great advertisement team, but awesome win for Brentford. Congratulations to them. You know, getting your first tier one win in 74 years has got to be Just an experience. They had a video of an old man who literally was there that had seen the last victory in League One, uh, being in the Premier League. And he was literally just bawling, like just crying tears of joy. And I was just like, ah, that has to be such a great feeling to watch that as a kid and now as an adult. Like super old to just be like, this is such a great experience. But in less emotional news... Manchester United did win their game yesterday against Leeds United. As I stated to you, it honestly looked like Leeds was going to beat you guys a little bit in the first half. And then the second half happened and you guys just dropped the mic on them. So Manchester United won 5-1. to one. Paul Pogba had four assists. Just to clarify, that's more than he had in the entire season last season, mm-hmm. albeit partially due to injury. And he's starting to finally see the game as a full team effort, and not just, I'm Paul Pogo, I'm going to score all the goals, so it's good to see that the coach really got through to him during the off season, and it's really starting to click for him. Bruno Fernandes had a hat trick. He scored in the 30th, the 54th, and the 60th minute, and then Mason Greenwood scored in the 52nd, and the man that goes by one name, Fred, scored in the 68th minute. He's kind of a share type person, I guess. I don't know. He's Brazilian, but he goes by Fred.
0: There's probably a story
1: there. I'm sure there is. And in funny news in the Premier League world, I should say funny news, because it's kind of weird. Okay. Uh, Everton had to take down a COVID-19 tribute video to fans that had passed away with COVID-19 between last season and this season. The team requested pictures of Everton fans that had lost the battle with COVID-19 from their families as kind of a memorial video to their fans that had passed to COVID. The internet decided to troll them, and the video editor failed at life. The video included a picture of Anne Frank was submitted and the editor did not notice.
0: How do you not notice? Just the photo quality to begin with, but then like obviously?
1: Yeah. So uh, it was taken down after hours of fans going, are you stupid? That's Anne Frank. How did you put Anne Frank dying from COVID-19? That is not how she died. So that's a thing that happened in the Premier League. So funny is kind of what I'm at on that. Like, it's kind of funny, but also really dark, I guess.
0: I just feel bad for the person who edited the video.
1: I do and I don't. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it was definitely a thing. And then in the world of international soccer, definitely a Bayern Munich legend as well. Gerd Müller passed away early this morning. He was by far one of the greatest strikers in the history of Bayern Munich. I don't think his record will ever be truly touched by anybody. I know Lewandowski, if he had played his whole career there, might have had a chance just based on the average that he put out. Realistically, it's just nobody's going to catch him career-wise. He died at the age of 75. He was known on the team as Der Bomber because he just scored so many goals all the time. So it was a pretty regular experience for him to do that. In his international appearances, he scored 68 goals in 62 appearances for Germany and West Germany because at the time it's been both through his career. Actively, he finished his career with 566 goals in 607 competitive appearances for Bayern Munich. Again, I don't think anybody will ever touch that career goal just because it's kind of the same way in sports actively now as it is everywhere in sports where career players don't really exist quite the same as they used to. So especially if you're a goal-scoring leader, you're probably going to move to another team at some point for more money these days. So it's sad to see him go. He's held a lot of records. He's lost one most recently to Robert Lewandowski for season uh, single-season goals scored last year. But, again, a legend passing away. So we lost Tony O and Gerd Muller in one week, and that's just too much for me to handle. Right. It's two of my teams just taking a good clipping right there in the history of the organization, so... But I think that pretty much wraps up the news. Sorry to put it on such a somber note, that, but
0: that is a very down note to end on. Sorry.
1: But we we will catch up with you guys on the book episode on Thursday.
0: Which will hopefully be lighter.
1: <laughs> Would we'll definitely be lighter.
0: In the meantime, make sure you're checking out all of our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. Bye guys. Bye.